You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, we are in a series called Help. We learned a couple of weeks ago that Jesus, as he was leaving, told his disciples that he is leaving them a helper. And he said, it is to your advantage that I go away because the Holy Spirit inside of you is going to be better than Jesus physically beside you. So he's given us a helper, not to get our work done, but to get his work done. And so that's what it means to follow the Lord under the control of the Holy Spirit. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the main job of the Holy Spirit is to make you spiritually alive. We learned a new word. That word was regeneration, which comes from new birth. New birth produces new life. New life produces new fruit. We're going to learn about fruit today. And so we... I don't know if you've noticed or not around our community, but spring has sprung. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? I was in the yard yesterday and I noticed that there's actually leaves on the tree. This is, this is a wonderful thing in Michiana when leaves begin to, uh, to, to show up on the, the trees and fruit begins to arrive. I also noticed I have these two big bushes, one bush on one side of the, the master bedroom window and it is full of leaves and fruit. I have another bush and it looks like it's dead. Um, I didn't survive the winter uh, like some of us thought we might not. Um, So um, listen, if there is no fruit, there is no life. That is not only true for my big bush in my yard, that is true for you. If there is no fruit, there is no life. If there is no life, there has been no birth. And so we're going to continue talking about what it means to be spiritually alive through the work of the Holy Spirit. And here's the main idea of the message today. The primary help of the Holy Spirit after he makes you alive is to make you holy. He is the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you, there should be some evidence of the Holy Spirit coming outside of you. Another way to say it is this. The Holy Spirit helps holy living. You should be holy. Now, some of you, if you can remember all the way back to last week, um, you're thinking of Pastor Tyler's message last week. You're like, wait, 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 you're starting to sound like a legalist. Now, Pastor Tyler did a great job last week. I assigned him that passage. Didn't Tyler do a great job? He's just, I'm so impressed. I'm so so proud of Tyler. We got to have a deep bench around here. And um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to give you the easiest passage in the world. It's the first 15 verses of Galatians chapter 5 where it talks about circumcision and emasculation. So I tossed that one to him, like, let's see how you do with that, buddy. So, uh, yeah, and so he knocked it out of the park. That was awesome. But he talked about these two ditches, right? We can steer into the ditch of legalism where it's this rule-oriented, man-generated self-righteousness, and we have all these rules. And the Apostle Paul is, is warning the Galatians, listen, you didn't start like that. Don't drift into that ditch. But that's what we so often do. Religious people tend to want to drift into the ditch of rule-oriented legalism. 
And yet, if we can steer out of that ditch, we sometimes steer into the ditch over here because that passage taught us that we're free in Christ. And a lot of people are like, oh, I'm free in Christ. There are no rules. And you end up steering into the ditch of license. Remember the legalism and license parallel that he talked about? You know what a license, a license to sin, okay? I have another um, 15-year-old in my family who is desiring of her license. Give me the license. I want to be able to go where I want to go and drive where I want to drive, right? So if you have a license, a lot of people want to turn the grace of God into a license to go where they want to go and do what they want to do. And the Apostle Paul says, no, 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 it's not that. So it's not the ditch of legalism. It's not the ditch of license. It is holiness that we are after. So how do you become holy? You become holy by the Holy Spirit having control of your life. And so um, we're going to look at this subject of holiness here as we, as we go through this. Back, look up here at verse 13. This is part of what Tyler taught you last week. But he mentions um, this idea of the two ditches in verse 13. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but instead to serve one another. So he's like, don't steer over here and use the grace and the freedom that God has given you as a license to sin and a license to obey the flesh. So how do you stay out of that ditch? Well, it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. I have a big stack of books that I've been using to study for this series on the Holy Spirit. And do you know what the, the one thing that sometimes is overlooked in all of those books when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, it's making you holy. It's like it's so obvious that it's like we don't even want to write about that. So the books talk all about the gifts of the Spirit and, and the signs and the wonders and, and all the miraculous stuff. What we're talking about today is the evidence that you are actually controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not that you do the miraculous, but that you actually do the mundane under the power of the Holy Spirit. The miraculous, that, that's maybe for a few. The mundane, that's for everybody. And God calls everybody to live under the control of the Holy Spirit and to live a holy life. Don't talk to me about signs and wonders if you can't show me some evidence of Holy Spirit control in your life. Isn't it interesting that people want to talk about all the signs and the wonders and all that stuff? Sometimes they, they display very little evidence of actually holy living. And so let's talk about what it means to live holy. And in order to do that, it is time for me to read the scripture. I have talked way too long without reading Bible this morning. Somebody should have already dragged me off this stage. Look at verse 16. Galatians chapter 16. Let's read this passage. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. How many of you are grateful that you're not under the law? I'm so grateful that my, my relationship with God is not dependent upon me obeying the law. But that does not release me 
from obeying the law. For all the work that the the Apostle Paul has done to tell us that our relationship with God is not about obeying a list of laws. Do you know what he's about to do? He's about to give us two lists. One is the naughty list and one is the nice list. And so after he has said your relationship with God is not based on the lists, He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're going to be on a different list. So let me introduce to you the naughty list. It begins in verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and then he's got a junk drawer bucket there, and things like this. He had to put that in there to keep it PG, because, I mean, it was not going in a good direction. It was getting worse and worse and worse. Like, just, just imagine the things that would be on this list, just the unmentionables there, okay? So he's like, okay, that's the list of the works of the flesh, and he says, I warn you, as I warn you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22 is the nice list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So let's learn four things this morning about holiness. First of all, holiness is pursued by walking in the Spirit. You see it back up in verse 16. He says, walk by the Spirit. Now, it's interesting throughout this passage, if you're paying attention, he tells us some things about the Spirit. He tells us to walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. He says there's desires of the Spirit. He says we're led by the Spirit. There's the fruit of the Spirit, and we live by the Spirit. Anybody want to pick up the theme of this passage? And yet this is the one that everybody leaves out. This is the normal work of the Holy Spirit in the life of one who has been made alive, one who the Spirit has regenerated. Now, I also appreciate Pastor Tyler last week reviewing with you the indicatives and the imperatives, okay? And so I know some of you get confused every time we bring these things up, but you have to understand the indicatives is about your identity. These are things that you are. The imperatives is about your activity. These are things that you must do. These are commands. Now, in this whole passage, there are only two imperatives, things he tells you to do. Everything else is about the indicatives. These are things you already are. Interestingly, the imperatives bracket the indicatives. He tells us, walk by the Spirit. Do you see the imperative? You must, you must, you, you got to do this. You got to do this. This is your responsibility. You got to walk by the Spirit. And then the last thing he says at the end of the passage is keep in step 
with the Spirit. You got to do this. You got to do this. This is why you came to church. You got to be reminded. You got to walk by the Spirit. You got to keep in step with the Spirit. Now, sandwiched in between those two imperatives, there are these indicatives. He tells us, you have desires of the Spirit. He says, you have, you are led by the Spirit. He says, there's the fruit of the Spirit and that you live by the Spirit. Those are things that are true of you if you have been made alive by the Spirit. These things are true. But what you must do is walk it out. Keep in step. Now the word walk there is Paul's favorite word picture. Okay, He's literally giving you an idea of what it means to live the Christian life under the control of the Holy Spirit. And he mentions walking. Walking is the most mundane thing that you do. And it doesn't start until you are made alive in Christ. Now, how many of you parents have, um, have had the joy of actually watching your children take their first step? Is this a joyous moment for you, right? I mean, but do you remember the fatty little quadriceps there? They're just like, there was nothing there but jello. And then after a while, there, there was a little more protein, I guess, developed and, and muscles began to form. And after about a year, this little wobbly-legged child crawls up on, pulls himself up on the coffee table and you know, he's all over the place there and he's holding on for dear life. And then finally he lets go and he falls down, but then he crawls back up again. And then he bravely lifts one foot boom, and lifts it again. And it's like, I, I'm, this is progress. Okay. I'm not going anywhere, but it just feels good. Right. And then pretty soon it's like, I do, I, we can do this in alternating fashion here. And pretty soon he takes a step and he falls and he takes a step and he falls. And then he takes a step and with cameras rolling, he takes his first step and his second step, and then he falls. And you cheer, you're so happy, until day two, and you realize, this is a new phase of life. <laughs> I used to be able to put my child in a spot and come back an hour later, and he was there. <laughs> now he's got freedom. Now, now I have no idea where, I have no control over, he's, he gets to choose where he's going to go. This is the life of a Christian. When you are born again, you begin to take your first step, you develop some muscle, you gain some balance, so you don't end up in the ditch of legalism and you don't end up in the ditch of license. You, you learn balance and control and pretty soon you look over your shoulders like, I don't, I don't like where I am, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm going over there because God's over there. There's a better life over there. And you begin this step by step, day by day, baby steps in a walk with the Spirit of God. Walking is slow. Notice he didn't say sprint in the Spirit. No, it's just, it's just like every day you're just inching forward a little more. Walk by the Spirit. It's an imperative. Just keep taking your next step no matter how many times you fall, no matter how many times you just scrape your knee. Just, just get back up. Just keep taking the next step. It is a walk. It's not about how you started. It's about how well you finish. And so just keep 
walking by the Spirit. That is the daily work of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. And you don't walk alone. You walk by the Spirit. One of my favorite things to do is to take a walk with Andrea. I just, I'm not into exercise. I'm, I'm not interested in seeing the neighbor's house again. I just want to be with her. And that is what a relationship with the Spirit is like. You're, you're not walking alone. You're walking by the Spirit. Now, the truth is, everybody here is walking. But not everybody here is walking by the Spirit. You are either walking by the Spirit. The only other option is this. You are walking by the flesh. Do you see it there in verse 17? He mentions this strange concept. It's all over the scripture. Let's talk about it. He says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These two are in opposition to one another. So, what are these desires of the flesh? Let's talk about the flesh here for a minute. I mean, the most tangible form of that is what's obvious, right? It's this. It's flesh, right? It's, but your flesh is just the container of something that is much more hideous or lurking on the inside of you, okay? Your flesh is your fallen human nature that you are waiting to shed at the second coming of Jesus Christ or at your funeral, whichever comes first. Okay, and either one's fine. It's great. Just get rid of this flesh. It's just your flesh is broken. It's bent. It's messed up. My son Zach last night. He's in his third year. He just finished his third year at Cedarville University, great university. If you're looking for a place to send your college kid, send him to Cedarville University. Zach finished his semester, and it's time for him to come home. But instead of him coming home, he had this idea that he wants to go see his girlfriend. And his girlfriend lives in Normal, Illinois. So he jumps in his 2005 Chevy Cavalier, which is 13 years old. It has 285,000 miles on it. And he's going to take the five-hour journey in the, the 285,000-mile car. And the brake lines are busted and the brakes don't work and it's leaking fluid. And, and then he, he, he gets to Indianapolis. He calls me at 10 o'clock last night and he's like, uh, the, the uh, exhaust just fell off and it's dragging. And I'm like, well, you got, you got two options. You know, you could, you could, you could try to come home or, or I, you know, we could, maybe could come down there and get you or you could just try to, to, you know, figure out a way to get it to Gigi's house and, and you could maybe get it looked at there. So he, he found an extension cord, so he's under the, the car. He's like, try, he's like put it in the, the doors and shut the doors, and there's, so the extension cord is like holding the exhaust pipe underneath, you know, and so he's like nursing this thing home. And it reminded me so much of my flesh, right? Your flesh is just busted. It's broken. It doesn't work right. I mean, you see a sin and you're like, I don't want to go there and you're pumping the brakes, but somehow you're still moving toward it, right? It's just like these desires of the flesh. Just why doesn't it work right? Why don't I get up with this overwhelming sense every day of only thing I want to do today is obey God? Why is there this, this draw, this magnet of my flesh toward the metal of sin. 
It's because you still have parts of you that have yet to be redeemed. It is your flesh. And so lurking on the inside of you are these desires of the flesh. Every desire your flesh has is contrary to the desires of the Spirit. And every desire the Holy Spirit has within you is against your flesh. Holiness is pursued by walking in the Spirit. But holiness is opposed by the works of the flesh. Now, we're going to look at this list of the works of the flesh here, okay? Now, let me just say as we read this list, we've already read it there, it's there are 14 works of the flesh here, and then if you want to use the junk drawer that the things like this, that could be the 15th thing. It's like everything else your flesh wants to do that's opposed to God. I want you to understand something about this list. Everybody in this room has been on this list. Some of you are still on this list, and that, that's a problem. We're going to look at that in a minute. But everything on this list is your best hope for fulfillment, excitement, and fun in this life. If you have not yet been born again by the Spirit of God. This is the best your flesh can do to have fun right here. Okay? And it is the normal expected behavior of an unregenerate person. We should not expect people who have not been indwelled with the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. This is the best we can do without the Holy Spirit. These 14 things, okay? So quit judging people and quit railing on people for doing this. They got no other choice. You had no other choice. This was just, this is just the natural outworking of flesh, okay? And um, I want to say this. It is abnormal, shocking behavior for someone who is indwelled with the Holy Spirit to find themselves on this list. It is normal and expected for someone who is not indwelled with the Holy Spirit to be on this list. If you claim to have the Holy Spirit in you and you're on this list, that ought to shock you. That is abnormal. That is an indication you are out of step with the Spirit of God or it's an indication that the Holy Spirit does not actually dwell in you and the Holy Spirit this morning is not interested in making you holy. He's interested in making you alive. Once he's made you alive, then he can make you holy. So there's, there's a problem if you're a Christian on this list. John MacArthur says it this way. Any Christian can walk in the Spirit and avoid all 14 of these things. And any Christian can walk in the flesh and do any of these 14 things. But it ought to shock you if you find yourself on the list. So he gives us these 14 things. They can be divided into about three different categories. Here's the three categories. Unbridled sexuality, misdirected worship, and broken relationships. Look at the first three of these on the list. Sexual immorality. The word in the Greek that's used there 
is the word pornea. We have an English word that comes from that word. Porn. Pornography. That word encapsulates all sexual activity outside of married heterosexual sex. Sex is a wonderful thing that God created for married people. And yet to step outside of that boundary might include pornography, lust, fornication, adultery, whether it is heterosexual or homosexual. It really doesn't make any difference. All sexual activity outside of heterosexual married sex is a work of the flesh. And that's about the best that you can do to try to find love, fulfillment, happiness in a personal relationship. That's kind of a cheap substitute for love that we're going to look, look at later. The next word that's mentioned there is impurity. It's an uncleanness. It actually had to do with a medical condition back in ancient times. There was no bacteria, there was no uh, bactine, there was no neosporin, there were no antibiotics. And so if you got a little cut, you actually were in danger of dying. That could get infected, your arm could fall off. And it's just not great if you had an unclean, open wound. Isn't it interesting? Something that starts out with an idea that you'll be thrilled and it's going to be so fun, it's going to be so wonderful. It always leaves you feeling dirty in the end. And so it's an uncleanness or an impurity. It leaves you with a sense that you need to be washed. The third word there is sensuality. That's living exclusively to stimulate one of your five senses so that you can activate the chemicals in your brain that give you a pleasure sense. Those chemicals, oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine. It's been called the new drug. Pornography, immorality, sexual sin gives you this sense of pleasure immediately, but leaves you with regret on the backside of that. And so, the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. Last week, Andrea and I um, were in Atlanta, and we were leading one of our Family Life Weekend to Remember marriage conferences there. About 850 people gathered together. We've been doing that for about 12 years. And um, the conference has been going on for about 40 years. We've been privileged to be a part of the team for about 12 years. And even in the 12 years since we started doing this, the, uh, the, the people that come to these things have changed. It used to be a bunch of married people coming to learn how to do marriage. And increasingly, we have found it's a bunch of people pretending to be married that need to be convinced why marriage is something that actually is good for you. And so that's the culture that we live in. We're so afraid of commitment. Maybe we're afraid of breaking hearts or we're afraid of somebody breaking our hearts. So we reserve commitment. And so we are sharing our bodies with one another while we are reserving the right to share the deepest part of us. You should never share your body with somebody that is not willing to share the deepest part of them with you. 
And that is emotionally and spiritually and financially. And in every other practical way, God's design is that one man would be married to one woman for one lifetime and they would raise all of their biological children together. That's God's plan A. Now, some of you are not on plan A, some of you are on like plan B and C and D. That's okay. That's okay. If you're on this list, welcome to the club. Everybody in this room has fallen into sexual immorality, sensuality, and immorality. But understand, if you claim the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you, and you find that in your life, that means there's a problem with the Holy Spirit inside of you. You're, walking, you're not walking according to the Spirit. We'll talk more about that in a minute. The second category here is misdirected worship. And the two words that are used here are idolatry and sorcery. The human heart is an idol factory. Did you know that? God created your heart to worship. Everybody worships. You can't help yourself. But you can decide who you're going to worship. And if you decide you're not going to worship God, your heart will find something else to worship. It will turn a football team into an idol. It will turn a boyfriend or a girlfriend into an idol. It will turn a pile of money or a job or a career into an idol. And that idolatry is a work of the flesh. And then he uses the word sorcery here. Interesting Greek word behind that word sorcery. The word is pharmakeia pharmaceuticals, pharmacy, drug house. Apparently in ancient times, they found a way to use drug-induced stimulus in their worship to get some kind of a high. Again, it's a work of the flesh. It's a way to connect with the spirit world outside of the Holy Spirit. That would include sorcery, magic, witchcraft, it's real simple. There's only two sources of spiritual power. And if you are not getting your spiritual power from the Holy Spirit, there's only one other team. Okay? It's an unholy spirit. And so um, whatever you're engaged in, in your horror movie or your binge watching on your Netflix account, if you are connecting with some other, if you're identifying with some other source of spiritual power, understand that's a work of the flesh. And it means you have a problem with your worship. And if you can enjoy that kind of entertainment, trust me, the Holy Spirit's not enjoying that on the inside of you, so that's your flesh enjoying it. The third category here is broken relationships. And man, there's a pile of lists here. He mentions enmity. That's just simply a hateful attitude. Strife, which is the result of bitterness and conflict. Jealousy, that's resentment from feeling like somebody's getting something that you deserve. And then there's rivalries, dissension, divisions, and envy. I left out fits of anger, outbursts of anger. When you use anger as a way to intimidate or control somebody else, all of it has to do with our interpersonal relationships. And you know what? That may have to do with one individual being at odds with another individual. But more often, it's groups of people being at odds with other groups of people. And so often in our culture, it's privileged groups of people 
mistreating and exercising injustice toward underprivileged groups of people. Men abusing women. Whites using their privilege against underprivileged blacks. Rich using their privilege or maybe not using their privilege for the benefit of underprivileged, economically disadvantaged people. People that make babies who don't give birth to them. Using a position of privilege not to serve and to love and empower those who are underprivileged. And as a result, what happens? We have rivalries, dissension, division, and envy, where the underprivileged actually envies the position of privilege so that they can treat people the way they've been treated. That's, we're just so jacked up. It's the works of the flesh. And you go home tonight, you turn on the nightly news, you know what you're going to see? A report about the works of the flesh in the world today. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, and envy. That's what it's all about. He mentions two more here. I don't even know what category to put them in. Drunkenness. I think that's just the result of trying to numb the pain because you're on the list. Abusing alcohol. By the way, if somebody's ever told you you drink too much, you drink too much, okay? <laughs> Somebody loved you enough to tell you that. Why don't you try to be happy without that stuff? You say, well, I can't. It's because you're controlled by your flesh. You need the fruit of the Spirit. And then he mentions orgies. Next. And <laughs> then he says things like this. And then he says this, very important. He says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you see your name on that list, that should concern you. Now, here's the problem. Everybody in this room is on that list. There's not a person in here that can honestly stand up and say, no, I've never, never had an outburst of anger, never envied anybody, never, never had a lustful thought. Just not me. Now, everybody's on that list. And so if we read that literally, nobody in here is going to inherit the kingdom of God. So how do we interpret this? Well, I think it, it all comes down to that little word, do. Those who do such things. The word really means practice such things. Some of your translations may actually say practice. Now, I don't know about you. I used to play football, and we had, we had football practice. And, and I played basketball, and we had basketball practice. I was not a particularly good free throw shooter. And so coach made me practice my free throws. And he stood me at the line, and he threw me the ball, and I took a shot, and he threw me another ball, and I took a shot. And the more I practiced, the easier it was to make a free throw. Here's the way that you need to read this. If it is becoming easier and easier and easier for you to practice these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. 
You are simply revealing that you are not regenerate. You've never had spiritual life because you've never experienced spiritual birth. And the best that you can do on any given day is one of those 14 things. It should be shocking for a genuine believer to find himself on this list for a short amount of time. And if you are finding yourself just living it up and no conviction, just like just having a great time in that, um, you're not going to heaven. If you'd like to get off that list, at the end of the service, the pastors will be here. We would love to receive you and help you get off that list because there's another list. The, holy, the holiness that we seek, holiness is revealed by the fruit of the Spirit. Look here in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now I want you to notice something about verse 22. It says the fruit of the Spirit. Back up in verse 19, it talked about the works, plural, of the flesh. The works of the flesh are plural. The fruit of the Spirit is singular. Evan, can you hand me that? Thank you. Fruit. What is this? It's an orange. If I, it's, if I take this and I slice it and I held it up to you, what would you see? You'd see sections in the fruit, right? That's kind of the way the, the fruit of the Spirit is, right? It's just one fruit. It's been deposited in you. The way that it comes out looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control in whichever one I left off. Now, um, let me ask you this. If I took this orange and I squeezed it, what, what's going to come out? What kind of juice? You're such a perceptive crowd. Now, you said orange juice, but what if before the service, I put in a syringe and I sucked out all of the orange juice? And unbeknownst to you, I put another syringe in and I filled it back full of pickle juice. And then I squeezed it. What's going to come out? Pickle juice. Here's the principle. When you're dealing with fruit, whatever's on the inside comes out when it gets squeezed. Did you get squeezed this week? by a kid, a husband, an employer, a teacher, a test. Anybody get squeezed? We get squeezed all the time. Can I ask you what came out? The first list or the second list? Whatever's on the inside comes out when it gets squeezed. And so whatever comes out reveals whether you are being controlled by the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit. Let's look at this list. The first thing on the list is what? It's love, right? So does that contrast with sexual immorality, sensuality, and immorality? Absolutely. Why don't you get off the first list so that you can enjoy what God wanted you to have? You're looking for love and you are settling for the substitute of sexual immorality. Love is not romance. Now let me just say, how many of you ladies 
could use a little more romance. All right, guys, Mother's Day next week. Okay, so get a clue, all right? But listen, romance is the overflow of love. Actually, ladies, you, you don't just want romance. Romance is the overflow of love. And so love is the capital that I spend for the well-being of others. Self-sacrifice. It's not an emotion. Love is something you do when you don't actually feel any emotion. I do it because the Holy Spirit is producing something in me that I don't even know where it came from. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The second thing on the list is joy. Joy is a thrill that's produced from the knowledge of spiritual realities. Because I know what is going on in the kingdom of God, I can actually be happy and joyful when the world is crashing down around me. Happiness is different than joy. Happiness is based on good things that happen to me. But when bad things are happening to me, I can still be joyful because I have a knowledge of what God is doing in his kingdom. The third thing is peace. Peace is a calm assurance that God is in control, regardless of how chaotic or random life may appear. Patience. Patience is the ability to endure through suffering while you are waiting for God to change circumstances, change others, or change you. Patience. Kindness. Now, kindness is the contrast of all of those broken relationships. Instead of anger and fighting and division and enmity and strife, kindness. Kindness is personal concern for others that makes their load lighter. And goodness. Goodness is moral integrity that is able to deflect accusations. When somebody makes an accusation against you, your moral character and your longstanding record of being good just does not stick. It slides right off of you. Because of the moral excellence that has, rise, has risen above the decaying culture around you. The cream rises to the top. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is the contrast to misdirected worship. Not idolatry and sorcery, but faithfulness to God. It's an enduring goodness, an enduring loyalty to God that's proven over time. Anybody can be good for a while, but faithfulness to the end is a fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness. Gentleness is that quality in me that refines harshness and refuses to wield power to control others. Gentleness. Self-control. Self-control is bringing my passions under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's bringing my thoughts in line with truth. It's bringing my activity in line with holiness. My son, Zach, when he was like two years old, 
He was just a super active kid. He was just bouncing around all the time. You're wearing me out. We would grab him by the shoulders and we learned a definition. We're like, Zach, you need self-control. We're going to learn this definition. This is our definition. It's bringing... It's, it's bringing... Oh, I forgot the definition. It is... Um, um, it is bringing the members of my body into obedience to my brain. And there was another part that I can't remember right now, but it was really cute at the time. So that's what self-control is. How many of you could use a little more self-control? Just bringing my spending under control, my eating under control, my thought life under control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not just a diet. It's actually learning to bring the appetites of my body under the control of the Spirit. Here's the last thing. Holiness is possible. Some of you just needed to hear that. It is possible for you to be holy. Holiness is possible as we keep in step with the Spirit. Look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. How many of you belong to Christ Jesus? Raise your hand if you belong to Christ Jesus. I want to see all the people that belong to Christ Jesus. He owns you. You belong to Him. You believe in Him. He belongs to you. You belong to Him. And so those of you who belong to Christ Jesus. Here's what's true about you. You have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And yet, somehow every day it has little mini resurrections, right? You have to crucify it again. Nail that sucker to the cross, right? And then in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit. How many of you live by the Spirit? Raise your, if you raised your hand the first time, you raise your hand the second time, okay? If you belong to Christ, you live by the Spirit. That is an indicative, not an imperative. You live by the Spirit. He lives inside of you and you live by Him. Then comes the imperative. You see it? Keep in step with the Spirit. Don't lag behind. Don't race ahead. Just keep in step. That has to do with like marching in formation. And if you do this, he says, let us not become conceited, not proud and haughty, but humble, not provoking one another, but encouraging one another, not envying one another, but loving one another. I want you to stand with me. I want you to bow your heads. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to ask you about those two lists. Which one are you on? When you are squeezed, what comes out of you? Impurity, sensuality, sexuality, idolatry, sorcery, envy, control, strifes, divisions, drunkenness. Right now, would you yield control to the Holy Spirit of God? Would you ask him to fill you with the Spirit so the next time you get squeezed, what comes out is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Now listen, if you find yourself characterized by the first list, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. The way that you get into the kingdom of God 
is by repenting of those things, turning your back on those things. And like a newborn baby who's been given new life, you step away. You walk by the Spirit, toward the Spirit. Turn your back on those things. If you need to do that today, there's people here at the front that would love to pray with you. You can experience new birth that brings new life that produces new fruit. Father, I pray that your spirit would continue to work in us and through us. And Each one of us is going to get squeezed this week. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be things that we don't understand, things that we can't control. And I pray, God, that by your spirit, what would come out of us is holy fruit produced by the Holy Spirit. It's for your glory that we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen.